Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I'm sitting down with Dr. Madalena Kanshev. She was born in a middle-class family in Bulgaria, a small country in Southeast Europe. Her parents had a vision for her to become a dentist. As an obedient daughter, she did her best to fulfill their desire. At the age of 23, she found herself completing her dental study and obtaining a doctor's title in dentistry. In 1986, Dr. Madalena moved to Germany, went through all challenges of learning the difficult German language and recognition exams so that in 1991, she was blessed to open her dental practice in Bavaria, Germany. Even though she always had the heart of a servant, she was following earthly goals like monetary success, social status, and reputation. By doing so, she disconnected from her true soul journey. As a result, and these are her words, she had to face uterine cancer in 1998. Cancer became her greatest teacher and changed the trajectory of her life and her career. In 2011, she sold her dental practice and followed her heart. Now she commits her whole time, energy, experience, and knowledge to serving the well-being of employees at the workplace. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Madalena. But before I do, just a reminder, head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I'm really excited to talk to you today. I'm happy to be here. Well, this is so fun for me because as we were saying, we met, wow, seven years ago at a conference and just hit it off. We had many similarities and we started FaceTiming for a while and then kind of lost touch. And we recently reconnected and just thought it would be a great conversation to have today. Exactly. So the time has come to, to reconnect on a deeper level. Absolutely. And really, I would love you to share a little about your story. I mean, I know you were hardworking and became a dentist and all that. And I'd love to hear what went on for you. I will try to make it very brief so that um, I focus on, on what's important to share with the people. So I was born and grew up in Bulgaria, which is a small country in southeastern part of Europe. My parents, which is very important, had a desire and a dream for me to become a dentist. And it took me some years of my life, if not decades, to realize that 
actually I was fulfilling the, their desire and their wish for my life. So at the age of, let's say, 16, 17, when they start guiding you lovingly, of course, in a certain direction, you think like, oh, this is what I want to do myself. So as an obedient daughter, I started dentistry and I was also very devoted because I realized <clears throat> the more mature and more older I get is that we human beings are all born or we're all born with servant hearts, right? At the end of the day, we, we all want to serve, to serve the higher good, to serve society and so on. So for me, it was very clear that my type of service is related to serving the highest good of all the human health. So being a dentist fulfilled this, this desire to serve this highest good, However, it took me some years to realize my service has to be more expansive. So back to this dentistry, this part of my life, I found myself, and I'm saying this with deep sense of gratitude, not to brag, at the age of 23, I found myself obtaining a doctor title in dentistry, which of course opened a lot of doors for me, including financial doors, because I was in a position to support my family. I found myself at this young age being able to provide for seven people, which of course is, is, a, is an achievement in itself. Then I moved to Germany, married my first husband and was again, so ambitious. I wanted to conquer the world and learn this language and go through all this recognition exams. And here I am at the age of 30, again, a milestone in my life on the top of the world and having achieved success, right? Whatever success means to us in an earthly sense, in a sense of society and so on. You said something so clear. There were a couple things that it, it is what your parents wanted for you. And, you know, we, we often do that. We, we work so hard because we want to please our parents or we think we need to do this because that's what society wants for us. And, you know, that's when things happen that we can become ill and, I know you have a story to tell about that. So I just wanted to interject quickly because I feel that that really stuck with me, what you said. Yeah. And so again, here I am at the age of 30, running out of this earthly success and slowly disconnecting from who I truly am. I disconnected from, from my authentic self from my soul and when we slowly yet steadily deepen this disconnection then our soul gives us some hints through our body this doesn't feel right that doesn't feel right here there is a pain and something is off so I remember 1998 was a year. I started the year like I always do with, with great intentions and big goals and so on. This year didn't work like that. Everything was gray. Everything was dark. So I had the feeling something is significantly missing, significantly. I couldn't put my 
finger on that, but I knew something is coming up. You know that, right? So in May 98, I had to hear the words which I don't wish anyone to hear in life. I'm so sorry, but you have cancer. And how old were you? 37. 37. Yeah. So you were pretty young and raising your family and working hard. Exactly. My two children are four and and 11, seven years apart. I'm building a company, right? I have five, six employees, including my husband. So I carry on my shoulders the whole world, so to say, right? Exaggerated. And here I am, all of a sudden, life shows me that everything what I've been running after has a different meaning. Because what counts is life itself. What is our life without health? What is it? All those things don't matter if you don't have your health, if you have the prestige and the money and the material things. You can have them. I um, share with people right now in a position in which I am, we're going to talk about that later, certainly. Life is not about either or. You can have it all. I firmly believe that we can have a successful career or business, whatever we desire to, uh, to have. And at the same time, we can have fulfilled, meaningful, private life and vibrant health. We can have it all. This idea that we have to sacrifice one area of our lives in order to achieve the success, whatever success means to us, also monetary success or social status, I firmly believe you can have it all. And that's such a good message because I think a lot of people feel that you have to sacrifice so much to have a career and a a successful career, but you're living proof that you can do it all. And I wanted to just, it, it quickly led me to, you said when we spoke earlier, when you were in the hospital, you had a clear message and I would love you to share that. My cancer story started with a, a small surgery. So they, there was one cancer surgery where they, I agreed with the surgeon to try to remove only this part of the uterus which was cancerous. So of course he did his best, but as we got this results of the biopsy, he said, I'm so sorry, but we could not um, cut off everything. So we have to have, um, or you as a patient have to have a second surgery where um, uterus and lymph nodes are going to be removed. And I had to wait eight weeks in between. And as you can imagine, so that body can recover for the second surgery, this was the longest eight weeks in my life. So here I am at the hospital again. It's an evening. And I have no, I, I'm going to get emotional, but you know that, that I'm authentic. I, I have no power to cry. I cannot talk. And yet I had this impulse to to go on my knees physically and emotionally naked and turn in this moment of surrender, of pure surrender, because every person I have turned to, a professional, a friend, colleague, everyone did his or her best, but 
they were overwhelmed. How can you help a person to go through a cancer journey unless you are not an expert or you haven't done it yourself, right? So you are overwhelmed. So people could not help me. And I'm saying this with love. This is just an experience. So I went on my knees and I said, if there is higher power, God, please heal me. Because I want to be around when my children grow up, four and 11. I whispered all this because as I said, there, were, there was no power there. Everything was, the whole energy was out of me physically, but mostly emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And people who are listening to us may believe me or not, I'm sharing the true story. A voice came instantly and said, my beloved daughter, go back to bed, you're healed. And this was sufficient in this moment for me. It was more than sufficient. So you felt a sense of calm after that? Calm and being taken care of. Someone took loving care of me. Whoever that was, I was carried. The word is, I was carried. And this is exactly what I needed in this moment. To get calm, to feel loved, cared for, carried, to go back to bed and to go through this surgery. It was Monday, I will never forget. And woke up with all what belongs to all these procedures. And on Friday, from Monday to Friday, I'm at the hospital. The surgeon who performed the surgery came to me and said, we shouldn't have done the surgery. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, we removed the uterus, we removed 20 lymph nodes on the right side and 20 on the uh, left side, just to make sure that cancer did not spread because we had a proof that it was cancer. We had a biopsy and so on. And believe me or not, we didn't find even one cancer cell. <sighs> so powerful. This is powerful. And for me, that was such a beautiful confirmation that there is a power somewhere outside. Today, I will say within ourselves as well, which we always have the grace to connect with, to ask for help, for guidance, for grace, for mercy, to pray to in our own way, with our own words, to get access to this power and to get healed, guided. Right. Now, were you led in a direction like, okay, you got to start taking care of yourself. You need to change things. Well, this is a good point. There was one sentence more. My daughter, the voice said, you're healed. Go back to bed. But you have to promise me one thing. Promise me that you're radically going to change your life. Do you promise me? Of course I did. Did I keep my promise? Not really. <laughs> and here it comes. Ten years after that, 2008. As responsible as I am, 
dental practice, running from one treating room to the other, reception, patients, phone ringing. One voice came and said, out of the blue, what did you promise me? Look at the calendar. I'm looking at the calendar. Exactly 10 years after I prayed. Amazing. <laughs> so. <laughs> and I just have a quick question. Were you always a spiritual person? Or is this something that just, you know, you were so worried about the cancer and you just let everything go. Please, God, help me. I always was different as the others. And I always felt in my heart that there is, because I grew up in a, in a absolutely atheistic country, it was forbidden by law to go to church. So I wasn't, I'm not saying this with judgment, this are facts, right? So I was not uh, growing up in an environment where I will be naturally guided to connect with with the religious community, going to church, uh, having a Bible school or so on, which could be very beneficial. I didn't have that. So I, I knew instinctively in my heart, and I've, I'm pretty sure that everyone knows that, that there is something bigger than ourselves, something we can access. But in this moment, I'm talking about, I feel in my heart this was a moment of complete surrender where you really physically and emotionally go on your knees and say, I've tried everything. Now I'm ready to connect with you. God, spirit, higher power, universe. Yeah. Now, I know when we spoke and, and I couldn't agree with this more, you said that cancer has been your best teacher, your biggest teacher. And I know. I felt so similarly. I just, after cancer, I knew things had to change. I looked at my life with a microscope and what can I do to do things differently? And it's just taught me so much about myself. And I was wondering what did cancer teach you in general, but also about yourself? The biggest lesson which I've learned is that. The key for a living, meaningful life, meaningful, true meaningful life is to pay close attention to how connected you are to your soul and to your heart. And to make it not just theoretical, because people are listening and will say, what, what is she talking about? What, do, what I mean by that in a practical life is when we stand in front of, uh, we are invited by life to make a decision. And we can go to the right, we can go to the left, we can go straight forward. Maybe we, we can take a step back and so on. So here we are on a crossroad and we don't know what to do. The only right way for me is to listen to my guts, to my intuition. What does my intuition say and how does that feel? And for me personally, when I connect with my intuition and I connect with the energy, okay, I'm going to take the road to the right. Then I feel in my body, does that feel in my gut area? Does it feel expansive? Does it feel warm? Does it feel 
this the sense of expansion is it's a very important sign for me and when i choose to go let's say to the left and i connect with this energy of how would that feel if i choose this left road then there is this constriction this this every cell of my body is telling me no 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 so this was the greatest lesson which i've learned and every time I did not apply this lesson because my mind will come in and say, well, but science says that, and this person said that, and this was said there, and here are the proofs and so on. And my intuition will scream out, yes, and my mind will say no, and I listen to my mind and I always regret this decision. Right, I mean, we're human, right? So we're gonna make those mistakes. and. You know, I've had so many clients say to me, how do you know how to listen to your intuition? But I think you said it so perfectly when it feels expansive, when you have that good feeling, that's the right decision. That's the right thing to do. Some people feel it, for example, the want in their heart area. So you, you just have to connect with your body. You know how it feels when it feels right right? You meet a person and, and you instantly connect with this person. It clicks just like it clicked with us, right? We were 500 people. And out of this 500 people, all beautiful souls, exciting event and so on. You connect with some people instantly. You feel drawn to them, attracted to their energy. And you know how that feels in your body. Go for it. It's, it feels right. Do it. Yeah, such good advice. Now, what did you change about yourself? What were the things that you did differently after cancer? The first step which I took is to change the priorities in my life, to put on the top of the list of my priorities, self-love. I've read it many times, but you know, the biggest distance is between my mind and my heart. Once it ends up being in my heart, when it lands in my heart, I get it. So finally, I got it that the idea to practice self-love so that the cup of self-love overflows. And from this cup of abundance of self-love, I can give to others, share with others my cup of self-love has to overflow. I feel that with you. I mean, every time we speak, I can feel that energy coming from you. And, you know, it, it, people have such a hard time with loving themselves. And I think it's because of past conditioning, right? I mean, you're always hearing do better, be better. You're not good enough growing up. And not everyone has that experience, but a lot of people do. And I think similarly, I really learned or had, I don't know if I had to learn, but I did learn to love myself and to accept myself for who I am. And I think that is so big when it comes to healing. And it doesn't mean that we stay still. Loving ourselves includes also loving who we are becoming, right? Because the person I am now has grown deliberately out of free will. And it's no more the person which I was, let's say, a year ago. 
and I love the person I'm becoming as well. Loving ourselves does not mean we are not growing. We are not uh, learning our lessons. We are not loving ourselves means also loving us with all our edges and all our flaws and so on. We don't have to be perfect to love ourselves. And this is how we love others. We love them for who they are and for who they are becoming. And of course, they are not perfect. Why do they have to be? They are all human beings. We are all human beings. But love does not look at what is missing. Love loves for the purpose of loving. Yes. And how would you explain how to love yourself? Like, I know there's mirroring, you know, when you, I think Louise Hay is big on that, looking in the mirror and, and looking in your eyes and saying, I love you. You're doing a great job and all of that. And it's so awkward for people, but I think it takes practice, but I'm just curious. What, how did you begin to love yourself? The first step was learning to prioritize. And the very first step is learning to say no. Good one. Especially to family members, because as a as a people pleaser, most of, of women are this way. I'm not saying men are not, but we women, we want to please everyone. And maybe at some point, my needs going to come. Saying no, it's very powerful. Because in this way, we position ourselves. And the first time saying no, it's challenging, right? Oh, they're not going to love me. They are not going to... Um, Visit me, especially children and family members, they are going to stay away from me and so on. But we have to take, to be courageous enough and take the step and say, no, I'm not coming. I have a wonderful grandson right now at the age of four. So when my daughter calls me and I'm feeling in my heart, can you take care of him for, for a couple of, of hours on Saturday? Then I feel in my heart, is the answer yes or no? What feels right to me? Does, feel, does it feel right to me to spend a couple of hours with him instead of doing X, Y, Z, which my heart badly desires for me to do during this time? So the answer is either yes or no, but it's coming from a place of my heart. So saying no, it's very powerful because it shows other people also where our boundaries are and it inspires them to say no as well when no is the right answer. I had a mentor and I remember he telling me he built a company really from zero. He had 220 employees as he was mentoring me and he told me at the beginning, learning to say no I felt in my heart, this is an arrogance. This is what he to, uh, taught me. Today, I know that saying no is a self-protection. And from his words, I, I received this invitation. Hmm, self-protection doesn't, doesn't feel wrong, right? Sometimes we have to protect ourselves in a sense of put my needs in the middle of my universe, not in a selfish way, not in a way me against the others, me above the others, me with the others and for the others. 
Yes. That makes so much sense. And you're just better for other people when you are good to yourself. Exactly. And I know that you, it's just so important to have boundaries. Just like you said, if if you don't want to do something, even if it, it must be wonderful to be with your grandson, but maybe there's something else going on for you that you want to do. And you really have to listen again to that intuition. Exactly. Maybe I had already um, something scheduled with, with a dear friends, with a partner and so on. So what is the decision you're going to make right now? What feels right to you? Just like I said, connect with your body. Is, is inviting my grandson coming? Does it feel expansive? Is, is there celebration in my heart because I'm going to spend the, the hours on sun, upcoming Saturday with him or there's this mm, not really and what would you say were some other things that you did to to really get healthy again I'm going to be now very brave and I'm going to state something because I stand 100% behind that I was Uh, educated 100% in the area of traditional medicine, science, 100%. As I started practicing uh, dentistry, I very quickly realized that, and I'm saying this with high respect, that traditional medicine does not have all the answers. By all respect, everything what traditional medicine has enabled us to do, if there is 100% healing of any disease, including cancer. This is how I feel in my heart it happens. And this is my personal humble opinion. 10% traditional medicine, 30% non-traditional medicine, 60% power of human spirit. To come back to your question, it starts for me personally with enough sleep. I have a rule for myself. And I rarely break it. At 10 p.m., I am in my bed. Because for me personally, sleeping before midnight is very important. Yes. And not to interrupt you, but there's more studies now that say restorative sleep is one of the top things that you need to do or to have to be healthy. So kudos to you. That's great. So at least eight hours uninterrupted sleep so that I wake up in the morning rested enough. Then I have my start the day ritual where I am inviting myself to start the day with the most positive energy possible, like finding free reasons to be grateful for. I don't have to have 10. People um, have sometimes 10. For me, three are enough. Either saying them out loud, putting them in in my journal, meditating. I have my start the day ritual. And I take this time for myself. It's, It's important for me how I start my day. And one crucial thing of this ritual is also how I'm going to reward my inner child, my soul, my heart for having lived this day in a, in a meaningful manner. And when I say that is, if I have touched the heart of one person, 
on this particular day. If I have brought a smile on the face of one person, then this was a beautiful day for me. Of course, more people, it's even better. So how I'm going to reward my heart, my soul, my inner child during the day or at the end of the day? And it could be having lunch with a person near and dear to my heart. It could be reading a book. It could be running my laps in, in the park. It could be whatever feels right to me. Reading my favorite book, watching my favorite movie, or just relaxing. So I know in the morning already how I'm going to report my, myself. And this gives me such a, such a power to start the day because I'm looking forward already for this reward. Yes. You are living so intentionally. Exactly. Yeah. And being mindful about how your day is going. And at the same time, I'm also uh, having this ritual of end up the day. Also with this deep gratitude, because gratitude is so high vibrational emotion. The more grateful you are, the better you feel. I completely agree. And during my cancer journey at the time I was diagnosed, a friend of mine gave me a journal and said, write three to five things you're grateful for every day. She saw it on Oprah Winfrey and I'm a big Oprah Winfrey fan. And I was then. So I was like, okay, Oprah's doing it. I'm going to try it. And it's amazing how it just changes your mindset. Even if something's going tough and you Maybe you said you had a hard time at the doctor today, or but then you put a twist on it, a, a positive twist. And it's just the mind-body connection is just, it's so powerful. That's why I was talking about the 60% part of the power of human spirit, right? Right. And I noticed when I asked you all the things you did, you didn't really talk about diet, you know, all these other things are so big and which which are also important let's not underestimate them the importance of of a healthy diet i'm cooking every single day um fresh cooked food and i'm paying attention to all this i'm taking all my supplements i'm exercising all this is essential however the power of spirit how i start my day has an impact on how i digest my my food right? So true. And what I was going to say is just like you diet is so important, how you're feeding yourself, but you can eat perfectly and be totally stressed out and unhappy and in a, you know, pure, a sympathetic nervous system state all day long. And that food is not going to do you much good. So it's so, you know, this whole piece of it is so, so important. Definitely. This is how science has proven that 99% of all diseases on a level of body are caused by not balanced emotions. And what beautiful key we have to know where to start. The best way to prevent any and every disease, and I'm saying this as a medical professional, fully aware of what I'm stating, the best way to prevent every disease is 
to take care of our emotions, to balance them, to make love and gratitude the prevailing emotions. This is what I say to people, nothing and no one can withstand love. And love will always prevail. And we're not talking only about romantic love between a man or a woman, man and man, woman and woman, depending on their sexual orientation, not only uh, about the love of uh, um, between members of a family, closest and extended family, we're talking about unconditional love. Mm. It sounds so corny because I was just thinking, you know, love heals all, but it, it does. I mean, it, you know, loving yourself, loving other people, being with integrity to who you truly are, those things cannot be discounted. And one very practical thing. So if you find yourself, forbid God, in the middle of a cancer journey, or you are dealing with a chronic disease, or you feel depressed, you have to deal with anxiety, and whatever challenge you have in your life right now, what has helped me very much is to sit down quiet and to send love to every cell of my body. And if it helps you to make it visual, then shower your body with a golden shower of light and love. This is so powerful. You will feel the warmth in your body. It could be just a couple of minutes. It doesn't have to be a huge procedure of 15 to 20 minutes. Sit down very quietly, close your eyes, connect with your heart and send love to every single cell of your body. And if there is a specific part of your body which needs even more attention, then go intentionally even more into this part of your body. It is so powerful. It really is. And, and science tells you that the cells are intelligent and they have memory. The other thing which is also very powerful is when a group does it for you intentionally, when people who truly care about you send you love, and it doesn't have to be in person. We do that in, in, a, in a Zoom meeting. Everyone will tell you how powerful that was. So this is also a very practical tool where we're not just talking theoretically, we give people practical tools in their hands. Bring together people who care about you, three or four people, let them show you with love. This is extraordinary feeling, extraordinary experience. Yes. And I remember when I was going through treatment, my mom worked at a Jewish school and the rabbi was praying for me and having his congregation pray for me. And he told me that he actually called me and just knowing that there were all those prayers going out to me. I mean, it just, it just felt so good. You know, I felt so at peace and taken care of, but before we get into random round, I know you wanted to mention your work now, what you're doing to, to help others with their health. What I'm doing right now is serving the highest good of all human health in a, in an expansive way. And right now in the post-corona times, it feels right to me to focus exclusively on the well-being and mental health at the working place. Because 
people working at home in home office, getting back to the existing offices and so on, they are dealing with challenges which are unprecedented. We don't have a recipe, we don't have a workbook. And so this, this danger of burnout, especially emotional one, but also mental one, um, getting, um, moving in direction for bit got depression and anxiety, at, especially at the working place, this is near and dear to my heart. So this is what I'm focusing exclusively right now. And by doing so, focusing also on the prevention and having a huge impact on the company's culture by putting the human domain, the human beings, their well-being in the center of the attention of every company's culture. This is what my heart beats for. Uh, I think that's so important. And, you know, there'll be a ripple effect. I mean, with their children and children's children. And I mean, that's how you make a difference. So that's fantastic. Now, are you ready for random round? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is? To be my authentic self in any situation, under any circumstances. The last show you binged and loved? Not really a TV show. I have a favorite movie, which is The Horse Whisperer. The Horse Whisperer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this movie and I could watch it a hundred times. When you're feeling afraid, what do you do? I talk to God. It worked for you before. <laughs> Yes, and, and I ask for guidance, and the answer is mostly, what's the worst thing that can happen when you, have, when you, you find yourself fearing whatever? What's the worst thing that can happen to you? Can you leave with that? Now, if you can have a one-hour discussion with someone, past or present, who would it be and why? <laughs> you mean from the whole world? Yes. That's a difficult question. I never thought about that. Mahatma Gandhi. That's a good one. Because this man used the power of love. He never invited anyone to use a gun to fight. And he achieved with the power of love so much. So Mahatma Gandhi. What is your favorite go-to snack? A piece of bread with cheese and tomato, that would be. (laughs) one thing that brings you joy being surrounded by like-minded like-hearted people members of my soul family what's on your nightstand my nightstand a book any good ones i love the book of marion williams some a return to love there's a theme going on here right yeah what's your favorite form of exercise Running my laps in the park, connecting with the nature as well. What's one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? For deepening my connection between my heart and the divine heart. Beautiful. And lastly, where can people find you? They want to get in touch with you. The best way is to connect with me on LinkedIn. I am under Dr. Madlena Kanchev. And when someone is meant to find me, this person will find me. I'm convinced. Perfect. 
Nadlena, thank you so much. I loved our discussion. I loved reconnecting with you and you made my day. I feel great. It's such a beautiful work which you're doing, Haley. So the world needs it so, so badly right now. Thank you for doing it. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.